Hey guys, hey ladies, hey friends, hey foes. We just wanted to take a second to remind you that while we're okay swearing when little ears are listening, you might not be, and that's okay. So here's your chance to pause us and wait for nap time, or pop in your earbuds. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Done Playing by the Rules. My name's Janelle. And I'm Barbara. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm Jenna. <laughs> we are in a mood today. Um, so our topic today is going to be purity culture, but we are going to catch up with y'all for a little bit first because we have heard that people like this, hearing about what nonsense we're up I'm, to. I'm pausing you because that is the second time I've heard you say y'all, and that is a new word for you, and I love it. I don't know why it came there because it wasn't as bad when I lived in Richmond. Yeah. You said it I on another episode, and I was like, yes. I think it's <laughs> delayed Southern setting or something. Yeah. No, it's bad. I got to get rid of it. It's my favorite word. (laughs) But we are going to talk about purity culture today, and I am heated about it. I even went into my art therapy session last night, and the first 15 minutes of my 45-minute session, which always runs an hour and 20 minutes long, I talked to her about how upset I was about purity culture, and I was almost late for my appointment because I was reading articles about purity culture in my car. However, I digress. Art therapy was amazing last night, and I just wanted to share a little nugget that my art therapist shared with me. We talked a little bit about like mine and Josh's relationship last night, which was different because we usually talk about other traumatic humans in my Mm. life who can remain unnamed. But since my dad died, there's a lot of things that are triggering for me, and one of them Mm. is going to like drag races because I grew up doing that with my dad. And he wanted to go to a drag race yesterday with the kids, and I was like, I'm just going to stay home. I have podcast stuff to catch up on. I can mop. I love being alone in the house and mopping the floors while I listen to podcasts and mm, not over. thinking about ki- – <laughs> Oh, it's my favorite. I get my steam mop out and I do the whole house and I get some blisters yes. on my hands. Anyways, favorite hobby, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were talking and uh, we, were le- uh, we went and we had the most fun day and Josh was like, you've been a lot more fun since we moved to Chicago. And I was like, oh, yeah, probably because, you know – I'm on new medicine and we got the COVID vaccine and so I feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm in a better place with my grief and she was like, so I'm hearing you totally like dismiss the work that you put into being quote unquote more fun. (gasps) And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you made the choice to Mm -hmm. be vigilant about your medication. You made the choice to get vaccinated so your family would feel safer. And you made the choice to go to like 15 therapists and work on your grief and sit in your grief and work hard on your grief. So like, can you set like, basically like, can you celebrate? Like, you aren't just more fun because of medication. Mm -hmm. You're more fun because you're diligent about staying on top of your medication. And you're having a better time in life with your family because you worked hard on all these things and just like appreciate that in yourself. And so- I thought, like, let's share that with our listeners. Oh, yeah. You know, when someone says, like, oh, you look really great. What have you been doing? Don't just be like, oh, I don't know, nothing. Like, even if you don't – you don't have to say to someone, like, right. yeah, I, I do look great. Thank you. <laughs> but also say th- – I've gotten really good about being like, thank you, instead yeah. of being like, no, I don't. What are you talking right. about? Let's take a little bit of time as moms and women to – 
pat ourselves on the back because nothing just accidentally happens to us and we're putting in work even if we don't think about it. And when you were saying all of that, honestly, I was there through a lot of that with you. Like even just getting the vaccine, it wasn't just like a, okay, I'm going to do it. It was a struggle in deciding and yours was pretty much like a game time decision and you felt like it was right. And you guys drove multiple hours. Like it wasn't an easy road. And so I completely agree. Give yourself a pat on the back. Or an hour I couldn't long believe nap, it when she one. called me on it. I was like, oh my God, I have been. Like most people yeah. would just be like, oh, my mental health is deteriorating. I'll see what happens. And I was like, right. nope, I need Prozac now. Or I yeah. called my doctor and told him all my problems. And he was like, you need Prozac. And that's why I said to Josh, I'm like, oh no, I'm more fun and flexible now because I'm on Prozac. And he was, mm-hmm. and my therapist was, or my therapist was like, please don't just chalk that up to Prozac. Like that's you choosing yeah. to find the medications that work for you. And so I was like, we should all do that a little bit yeah. more. So again, yeah. art therapy is rad. I freaking love it. Um, Good. I think my art therapist has finally realized that I'm terrible at art. So we do very, <laughs> very well, little I was going to ask you, what do you do with your like drawings or creations? Okay. So you can keep them or leave them. I always leave them. Um, because they're I would hang them on my refrigerator and just be like they're so bad and (laughs) embarrassing and like I always leave them there but a lot of times she'll just have me like I'm more of a doodler and like a list Mm -hmm. person and so she'll have she'll like get she takes out like a different tool every time so some weeks it's Sharpies, some weeks it's crayons, some weeks it's uh, what pastels, sometimes it's oils. A lot of times I'll like draw like timelines and stuff of like how things oh, happen, nice. and then I'll write like what I remember happening before an event and what I remember happening after event, and then what I remember happening at the event, and kind of rework as an adult through like a childhood trauma, looking at it through like adult lenses on paper. What does this say about me? I'm showing you mine and it's um, <laughs> UFOs, Saturn. Literally, you are aliens. a prime key. You are ready. You are ready for art therapy. She would love you so much. <laughs> She'd be like, what's going on in that brain? Uh, do tell. <laughs> but it's usually like guided and I go every Sunday night and I usually realize like one or one and a half things that I never thought of before. Last night, I realized mm. like four things that I never thought of before. That's and cool. so it's just kind of like rewiring like some yeah. past traumas. And I'm so into it. <laughs> I love it. That's really cool. Oh, it's that so good. Fun. I want you to find one. I know. I need you to. You might be a therapy friend with me. I know. I need to look into some other therapy methods. I've heard – what's the other one for trauma? Like EM – Oh, I would love to do that. EDMR, I think. Because I got it, the names of a few people. It's just one of those things that's super and scary. And that's something on psychology today, uh, too. You can actually filter EDMR people. It's so it's, yeah. uh, it's like something with rapid eye movement, I believe, like tapping. And it oh. helps to like rewire your brain. Or it's like some sort of sound with your eye, like rapid eye movement. And okay. there's a book I can link on Amazon that my friend that went through the therapy used, and I'll link it in the show notes. Um, and that goes through, you can literally do it at home with yourself if you want. Oh, nice. I did the tapping solution and it helped <sighs> some. The, did it it's really? It's like this, like, I can't remember at all because it was when I was pregnant. My mom's best friend sent it to me because she knew I was having a really hard time with anxiety and depression. And it's, I don't know, it's like a forehead tapping and like, I think there might, there's something, th- there's some yeah, amount of tapping bone. in this, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It was at least soothing to get me out of those like panic attacks. 
So I've heard that like anything that can be like get you to like focus on your digits is supposed to be very. And we're back to a witch podcast. Welcome to Jenna and Janelle's (laughs) Witch Corner. Art therapy and tapping. And then we're just going to dive into purity culture. Oh, I'm so angry still. I was heated for the first 15 minutes of it and she of art therapy last night and she was like, so do you want to talk about anything that we were talking about last week? And I think she thought I was going to go on a full tangent for the full She's time. Like, but um, I think our time is up for today. I'm sorry. Thank <laughs> so you for the report. Thank you for the report on purity culture. Have a good day. I didn't ask for it. <laughs> right. This actually, this topic led us, my husband and I, to some yeah, really good to conversations with how to raise our daughter. I think we've talked about it. It's interesting. We've talked about it a lot in terms of our son, but okay. never really our daughter. And I want to hear so. what you've talked about in terms of your son because I said it to Josh yesterday. Like We haven't given it one second of thought how we're yeah. going to play this out for our kids and how we're going to do it differently than we had. Mm-hmm. I asked Josh like some of his childhood stuff and how it was different from what Zach was experiencing, which I thought was interesting. But I don't – I am dying to hear what you and Brandon have discussed regarding your son and regarding your daughter. The most interesting part will be to see if we – Hold true to it in the next couple of years. Isn't that always or... the best part? Like when yeah. Josh, before Josh, ha- we had kids. Josh told my cousin once when she never lets him live down that he would never let his kids eat donuts. Why? Like l- how many times a week do I yell at my husband for feeding my right. kids donuts? Jenna, like yeah. three times a week? Like oh, yeah, every easily. time he takes them out of the house, he buys them. They're like, they come home chocolate face covered. Covered, like- <laughs> seat covered. All the sprinkles yeah. are in the car seat. Like it's such a different thing to to plan it now and then implement implemented in five years. Yes. My, but it's coming yes. up fast because yeah. I asked Josh mm-hmm. last night, I was like, when do you remember like starting to understand what sexuality was? And he was like, well, my dad and my uncle had playboys around the house. So I, when I was Zach's age, I had seen all this stuff already. And oh, I was yeah. like, Ugh. We have a lot of sex questions right now from See, as was a question of kid though, Zach, yeah. I said Zach doesn't even realize he inhabits a body, I don't think. Like yeah. Ezra's just very curious. Even on the way – just we just went to the library and on the way home he was asking a lot of babies and seed and all of that question. So seed. Yep. That's what he called. He calls it his magic seed. Oh my God. I don't know. Thanks, if Brandon. I am dead, Brandon. <laughs> yep. He's like, he's like like a seed in the garden. And Brandon's like, no, it's a magic seed. It doesn't help that our dog just got neutered too. So oh, there were okay. a lot of questions about that. And yeah. And my son was lot. like, well, um, he can't get pregnant because he can't have a baby because we don't have a girl dog. And I was like, well, we take him out and he meets a girl dog. And he's like, we'll just introduce him to boy dogs. Okay. <laughs> purity culture. You kind of did the what mm-hmm. is history, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So I'm going to do our two minute rundown because we're coming at this as more of a um, how we plan to teach our kids and what we want to teach our kids and what we were taught. But you cannot discuss purity culture without doing a brief synopsis of where it came from because it has a very distinct origination point and then it had a really big flame up and that's what we all remember in our age group of, you know, 30 to 40. It's based in abstinence. It's was based on these core views that same-sex relationships are sinful, men's spiritual dominance over women is divinely ordained, and on the political front, we'll leave that alone. But there's Mm -hmm. some politics involved. 
this is something I didn't know either. So SBC is the Southern Baptist Convention, which I yeah. assumed was like a party, which Josh was aware was a religious organization. I was like, oh, a, a convention. It's the second biggest Christian denomination after Catholic Roman Catholicism, really? which is what I am. Yeah, I had no idea. What happened in 1997, which we all will remember was mm-hmm. kind of a big year for purity rings, purity balls, which I didn't know what that was, mm-hmm. a purity ball. Do you know what this is? Mm-hmm. Oh, because you're from the South. With your okay. daddy. Yep. You go, you go, with, you your go with your daddy. Did you uh-huh. go to a purity ball, Jenna? No. I didn't even have okay. a purity ring. But we did survey yesterday, and I think we said, found that 25% of our uh, listeners had signed either a purity pledge or had a purity ring. I know so people this that did. Yeah. Yeah. So this isn't like a weird subculture. These are our friends. Mm-hmm. Um, a book was released called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. It was by a man or a, a young, young, young man by the name of Joshua Harris. I want to say he was in like his 20s. Mm. So he was kind of this like hip guy. He kissed dating goodbye, meaning that he advocated courtship only happening under the watchful eye of your parents. Also, mm. maybe don't even get into quote unquote these sorts of short term romantic relationships where there is an expectation to become intimate. So he was basically saying if you don't date, you won't be tempted into sex. So don't date at all. Ever? Until you're married or courting for marriage. So you basically date one person and that's it. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like the Duggars do. Yeah. To reference pop culture. Mr. Harris, who now lives in Vancouver, eventually pulled his book from circulation and has apologized for the role he played in causing anyone feelings of shame, harm, fear, or guilt. Today, he no longer considers himself a Christian. So I know he said, peace out. This was a bad choice. But his book... sold over or printed or sold over a million copies. It was a huge deal, which lines up with the time that the Jonas Brothers and um, I even think Miley Cyrus had a purity ring at one point. Demi Lovato did. All the Jonas Brothers did. Yes, all the Jonas Brothers did the purity thing. So that is the brief history of purity culture. But Jenna and I want to come into this from terms of how we grew up. I grew up Mm -hmm. Roman Catholic, which had a strong undercurrent of purity culture. My parents weren't like hugely vocal about purity culture, but there was definitely an undercurrent of mm-hmm. a lot of this like propaganda that's in here that is you ha- when you have sex with someone, your souls become one soul. Or I remember hearing growing up, like every time you have sex with someone, they take a little piece of your heart and it never mm-hmm. grows back. And then you yep. marry someone and your heart is Swiss cheese. And the- <laughs> I just got um, that visual. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of a cool – like I want to make that shirt. I mean um, my heart is already fucking Swiss cheese. So. Yeah, like let it be. Let let yeah. me live. But every article states that predominantly the pressure has been put on girls. Mm-hmm. And there's no such thing as a purity ball, which did we cover what a purity ball is. A girl goes to a ball with her father and pledges to stay pure to her father until she takes a husband who then she will transfer, basically transfer ownership mm-hmm. of her body to. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing for boys. No boy is going to a ball with his mom and pledging his purity to her. So this is always, always, always a greater burden put on women. And a lot of these articles talk about how much they speak about how women are supposed to dress as to not be provocative. And a lot of the trauma that has come out of this has been women article after article. And Jenna knows I read a lot of articles yesterday. Article after article talks about how women grow up and are told to be sex. You're not even supposed to think about sex. If you think about sex, you're shut your brain off. It's just as bad as doing it. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah. And so people are growing up thinking like, oh my God, I can't stop thinking about sex. Well, yeah, you can't because that's what your hormones are literally doing. You are, it'd be like shooting up heroin and being like, I can't get high. Don't get high. Like your hormones are literally telling your body to flood with sex. And Mm -hmm. you're telling yourself that you're going to hell and eternal damnation if you think about it. So girls' jobs is to stay pure until they're married. And then, and this was in one of my articles, which I will link all of them, flip a light switch and become sexual beings to keep their husband happy and entertained. Mm -hmm. And if a husband strays in a marriage, it is because you are not performing your job sexually well enough. So we tell girls from the age of birth to 18 to 20, don't think about it. Mm -hmm. And then at 20 or whenever you get married, flip that switch. Now you are a sexual, powerful being. But don't dress sexy outside the house because you don't want to tempt other people's husbands. Mm -hmm. But you better keep yours happy and keep yourself up for yours. And so I have to raise two boys. Jenna has to raise a boy and a girl. I know. The world is just getting worse and worse and worse. I just shared on our Instagram page right before we started recording a blogger or an Instagram influencer named Tova Lee who does a lot of body positivity stuff. And my husband actually introduced me to her. And so I just shared it on our Instagram page and I'll reshare it when we edit. Uh, put this up, but it's such a hard culture. And I think we're getting like these little baby steps with the um, Victoria's Secret changing all of their models to be normal women. But we still aren't addressing when are you allowed to become sexy and how do we treat little girls so they don't feel like their job is to, I don't know, I don't know where, like, what are you going to teach them? Oh, girl, I got a lot of thoughts. I'm looking at that Instagram <gasps> post, and that is disgusting how. And she wrote, like, she's like, most of, 97% of these are from men, but 3% of them are from women. And, like, yeah. wi- women, what are we doing? No, like, right? let men be dicks, but, like, let's not be that way to each other. Ugh, that's disgusting. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I want to say I went to school, a Lutheran school, till seventh grade. Eighth grade, I went into public school. And I don't know about you, but personally, I felt like it was rule, rule, rule. Like the rule book for how girls act and dress was so thick. And boys is like a one-liner. I think it's a huge issue. And then even when I went to public school, we had, it was called a dress code, but it was really a uniform. I struggled um, in both situations because like you, Janelle, I have a long torso. Things look different. And mm-hmm. I was told multiple times throughout school that I was borderline too inappropriate. And yeah. I'm like, I am wearing exactly what my friend is wearing. Unless you want me to wear a men's shirt, this mm-hmm. is not going to fit me. And it's not going to tuck in. And when I bend over, like it's going to pop it's out of popping my out. pants. Yeah. yeah. And then they made this rule that you couldn't wear like colored undershirts because I don't know. It was, Oh my God. I know. We were allowed so, to call it undershirts. At yeah. Least. So like we <laughs> couldn't even wear that to like tuck in to our pants and all this stuff. And I got told by multiple authority figures that like I was borderline inappropriate or showing too much skin. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? And I was also, when I was in elementary school, I was the tallest girl in my class. The clothes are going to be tighter and shorter. Like for uh, private school, we wore like jumpers and dresses and it looked different. And it always made me feel out of place. And first of all, I think we need to knock out saying like, here's the dress code for girls and here's the dress code for boys. Like here's the dress code period. Um, Let's knock that 
shit out about saying this is for certain sexes and everything. And we would go swimming, not when I was in public school, but when I was in private school, you would have to wear one piece swimsuits or a t-shirt to cover your skin. And being as tall as I was, the swim, the one pieces were ridiculous because then they would gap in the back and then it's like showing your booty. I can still barely find a one piece yes. that doesn't go like up everything because our torsos right? are so long. Yeah. It has to have adjustable straps like an old granny or it doesn't exactly. work. And they didn't make that for kids back then. No, exactly. And so I would have to swim with one of my dad's t-shirts on which so one fun, that is just so like uncomfortable, yeah. Right? And then you get out of the water and it's like sucked to your body and it's white, so it's like see through already. And it made me feel ashamed of my body. And I was earlier to develop one, I think, also because I was a September birthday and in Texas, those were the older kids versus here, it's the yeah. younger kids. And so I was considered yeah. a little bit older for my grade and I definitely looked different. And I feel like that shame was already put on me. And my mom would tell me, like, you're starting to develop, like, this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then the outside world messages were very different. Yeah. And I mean, I even remember like friends, moms would say stuff and especially in the church community, when I was in school where I went to church, that community was very body negative, honestly. And yeah. And that's a big thing they talk about in these articles is I think out of my articles, I saw four articles where girls were sleeping on their chest or binding their chest mm-hmm. or wearing multiple sports bras uh, because sports they bras. were yep because they were so devastated that they were starting to grow breasts because mm-hmm. that just meant they were more dirty and more wrong right. and then they would wear big boys clothes and like button mm-hmm. downs but multiple girls talked about binding their chest and sleeping on their stomachs to prevent their boobs from growing like mm-hmm. when your boobs are growing you're like 10 or 11 yep. oh my god think about i can't even fathom your baby, our baby, no, our baby girl. I know sleeping on her chest, trying not to develop right. every night, and then waking up and being like, I failed again. They're exactly. still here. Like, that's and crushing. then it's like you're put into this religious institution where they're like, Let's celebrate God's creations, but mm-hmm. a woman's body, which is a God's creation and is a beautiful mm-hmm. thing, let's hide that and try and stifle it. Yeah. What, what are we doing? One of the articles that I will link to is um, Interfaith America. And this is actually about, and you can go down this rabbit hole as deep as you want. I will not mm. for this podcast, but I read a lot about it. But the um, Atlanta massacre at the mm-hmm. massage parlor, he was a, a, Christian, a sect right? of the a southern a sect of the Southern Baptist Convention, and yeah. literally quoted as saying, "Like these women wouldn't quit tempting me, so I had to take care." But I digress. You can read the article, but it says mm-hmm. Jesus treated women as people mm-hmm. with inherent worth and dignity arising from their bearing the image of God. He called them daughters and disciples. He let them into his inner circle. Now think about this next line as we talk about women's virginity being the all or nothing gatekeeper Mm -hmm. of their worth. He met with Mary and Martha alone, thus violating the Billy Graham rule. And he condemned Mm -hmm. those who would cast stones at a woman caught in adultery, inviting her instead to a life of dignity and freedom. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Right. If exactly. that's the Jesus, if you're going to be using Jesus in this, use him like that. 
Exactly. Use him as an example like that. Don't use mm-hmm. him as what some of these speakers talk about is like you're condemned to eternal damnation if you have sexual thoughts. Right. And That's last I checked, God is the only one who can really judge at the end. So That's up for that debate, I think, Jenna. That's up for debate. That's true. Yes. Okay. We'll give you that. We'll give you okay. that one. Ju- his his yes. is the only judgment that matters. Ours down here doesn't matter at all, honestly. Yeah. Oh, I want to add to my swimsuit story that the men were or the boys in my class were allowed to wear trunks and no tops. Yeah. And I got to look at all their hot pets oh. while they're swimming in the water. So <laughs> how about that? Okay. So the seven lies that purity culture teaches women is another article I'm going to link. And I'm going to run through them really quick because it just gives like a very good synopsis to what the evangelical definition of purity culture teaches women. And then we'll talk about how we're as a society moving away from that and what our experiences were as I was raised Roman Catholic, which had an undercurrent of um, purity culture, but it wasn't as overt as like what I'm reading here. But Uh, Seven lies. One, women are responsible for men's sexual sin. That Mm -hmm. came up in every article I read. Everything. Everything. You shouldn't be dressing like that. You shouldn't be talking to married men. You shouldn't be using your seductive looks. They even talk about the story of Bathsheba, which I never say correctly, where Mm -hmm. they talk about she tempted him away from his wife. And they're like, it's actually um, a story of a rape and a murder. Exactly. So let's not use her as a temptress. Right. And I think Um, that's a good point to put in your little Uber story too. Yeah. So I, on the Nikki Glaser podcast, which is one of my other favorites, uh, she was talking about how a woman got in, you know, when you go out, I haven't, I haven't drank since Uber existed, but you go out, you're partying, you call an Uber. I've rode an Ubers Mm -hmm. with Josh all over. Um, and you don't, you're supposed to check the license plate and you get in the, or you don't and you get in the wrong car. And this woman got in the wrong car and she got in a car with a murderer and he killed her. And so a lot of people were saying like, oh, she shouldn't have been out drinking. She should have checked the driver's license. Mm-hmm. She should, or the license plate. She should have had a friend with her. She shouldn't have been out that late. And that whole mentality of what women should and shouldn't be doing. We're just ignoring the fact that he shouldn't be a fucking murderer. Yeah, like Like, that guy isn't even talked about. Now we're talking about (laughs) what the woman did wrong. We didn't say like, hey, guess what? A murderer. You shouldn't kill people. Let's talk about that instead. That's my other big um, thing that I always say to everyone is like, don't call people um, single mothers because where's the father that's responsible? And Mm. don't put all this pressure on girls because it is always a two-way street. There is mm-hmm. no girl that ends up pregnant without a guy participating. Nope. And that guy's always fine. But it's and always, you shouldn't have dressed that way. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have, have worn done. that. You shouldn't have said mm-hmm. that. You shouldn't have gone to his house. Like including rape, the woman shouldn't have put herself in that situation. Well, mm-hmm. let's talk about the fact that the man shouldn't be doing this act. Well, and that's another part of these articles is they say like because these girls are taught that their entire self-worth revolves around being sexually pure, when they become victims of sexual assault, they consider themselves completely damaged and mm-hmm. often like beg their husbands for forgiveness once yep. they get married because yeah. they were sexually assaulted. And imagine, I know personally Ugh. in our church, there were at least that I can think of two women who were raped at different times. And a child came out of that. And so you don't get an abortion. But now 
all the sin and everything is associated with that child. Like how oh awful my is God. that? God, yeah. And they're saying like, oh, the woman shouldn't have been drinking, especially when it's underage. Oh, she so shouldn't mad. have been doing this, this, mm-hmm. this, and this. And her, she's going to have to find a husband that forgives her past sins. Seriously, Lord, this me. is a child that we are talking about. It is not a sin. Oh my God. And like the woman's already been through enough. You're just going to keep piling it on her until mm-hmm. she collapses. And then who's But yet there's a rapist out in the world. And we're yeah, not going to talk fine. about that. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Let him yep. be, Jenna. He's because she was drunk. She was drunk. She That's was in such the wrong bullshit. place. And men are right? never held. No one ever says, how many drinks did you have to a man before something right? happens? Ever. Exactly. My yep. husband could crash his car tonight. And yep. Walk home, and the police would be like, "Oh, you must have hit a deer." Like no <laughs> one ever cares how much a man drinks. No. It's no. always how much a woman drinks, or you know, I don't know. Did she get roofied? Did she not? Mm-hmm. Well, the, we'll never know because she was promiscuous in the past. Like, right? Shut the fuck up. Exactly. I can't. Okay. Point two. Let's oh God. It. Let's spend <laughs> that much time. Okay. Point two. Women's bodies are something to be ashamed of, which mm-hmm. we've covered. Women shouldn't have sexual desires. Your virginity is the only thing of worth about you. Number five, women don't enjoy sex as much as men. Number six, if women have sex before marriage, everything will go wrong, which was a common thread in all these articles too. Like it's that um, you do bad into the world and bad comes on to you. And that's a bad deal to – put onto women. Then the seventh one, which we just talked about, there's no difference between sexual abuse and sex before marriage. That is a very mm-hmm. strong teaching. Purity culture doesn't talk about consent. It deals with a right and wrong dichotomy of pre and post marital sex. Sadly, yep. this leaves many women and girls assuming that the pain and hurt they experience when boys or men sexually abuse them is because they are having premarital sex. So it's telling them, this hurts you and this is horrible because you're having premarital sex. Yep, exactly. I and let's just cannot. add all of this. And then society wonders why we have body image issues. Well, bananas, we've been right? taught that we need to hide our bodies or that our bodies lead to sin. And the highest level in the church, not the highest level, but one of is saving yourself for marriage and being a virgin until you're married. And at least where I grew up, all of that meant not having impure thoughts, this whole purity culture. It's not, you just didn't have sex. I didn't even know impure thoughts were bad. I thought that that was like, no one, I see, I luckily escaped that one. My purity culture was strongly based on like the way I dressed and me being too sexy looking. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. No one ever said to me that impure thoughts were wrong. I was raging with impure thoughts from like 11 on and I never stifled that. (laughs) Well, and then I also want to touch on the one you said your virginity is the only thing of worth. Yes. About your full worthiness. And I have a bunch of these article talks about your entire worthiness is based on your virginity. That becomes your identity. Yeah. When you're growing up, it's, oh, and they're a virgin. Like that becomes part of your identity. So can we talk about what happens once you do get married and have sex? You're no longer a virgin. So where is your identity now? Well, now you're supposed to be a freak a wife. The night of your wedding, you turn into a sexually 
well-informed adult when like there's no sex education so these girls no. just go into their wedding night and are expected to be able to perform with their husband for their husbands who may or right. may not have been pure or they're just regular teenagers right and i think that's got to be so scary to not even have an idea what you're going into no. and then you're supposed to keep this man like fully satisfied all the time when you don't even know what's going on and Sex has had such a negative connotation and you're just supposed Mm -hmm. to switch your brain after, what, 18 plus years of thinking otherwise? Like how is that even possible? So you lose your identity, which is probably leading to to some kind of grief because you're no longer a virgin. Now you're a wife and you're expected to please your husband, but you've been taught that's sinful. How do you do that? How do you just switch And your you're brain? supposed to keep up your looks, but not too much, which exactly. is another dichotomy I found in here. But that was very interesting. Like a lot of these talk about like if your husband strays, it's because you didn't like keep up your looks. But like yep. how sexy is too sexy because you don't want to tempt Tom the neighbor. Uh, right. Tom, <laughs> you need to go put some sunglasses on then or something. Tom, you need to stay Get in your, your house. But no, it's my fault if I have a drink. But I was going to also note that purity culture has different names in different religions. Mormons call it worthiness culture and Muslims Ooh. call it honor culture, which we've all heard of. Even in Roman Catholicism, like you want your daughter to be a virgin going into – that's why you wear right. the white dress, all of it. But when you call it worthiness culture like the Mormons yeah. do, like that really goes to show are you mm-hmm. worthy or not worthy of – and they talk a lot about how like if your marriage fails, it's because you maybe weren't pure enough going into the marriage. Oh, Seriously? is a huge part of it. You were you had too many impure thoughts or you did something impure. So if your marriage fails, it's most likely you're causing by not being pure enough going into the marriage. Oh my gosh. And I have another question for you. You yes. said one of them about women don't enjoy sex or what was it? Women don't enjoy sex as much as men. That's or- one of them. Women don't enjoy sex as much as men. Correct. So my question is, then mm-hmm. why do we have pleasure centers and pleasure I'm sure I think, we're supposed to, I think we're supposed to ignore them all right let's read about it so again from the seven lies that purity culture teaches us by natalie collins which i'll link women don't enjoy sex as much as men okay purity culture doesn't deny biology or at least the majority of christians don't but it doesn't insist that sex is something men enjoy and women tolerate the fact that what? god created <laughs> The fact that God what the fact that God created women with an organ that has no other purpose than to provide orgasm is never mentioned across the wider population. Fifty percent of women cannot accurately label a vagina, so it is a wider Mm -hmm. issue. But for Christian women, purity culture, silence, and discouragement of women understanding their own body has led to a situation where the clitoris and its implication for mutual enjoyment in marital sex doesn't even exist. What? Yeah, I'm checking out of this place if we're not if we're not playing around there anymore. I'm That's moving out. <laughs> so that leads to like I think the whole like sex positive movement, like in the opposite way. And you made a good point about when women get married and they're expected to have sex and be these sexual beings, mm-hmm. but there's no talk about it. We had sex education, but it was very like to the book, like this is yeah. what this is. This is what this is. And basically you don't do this, this, and this. And if you do, you will get chlamydia Did you have die. sex education? That's one of the things in my article was one of the Isn't like- Isn't that from teens- a movie? 
No, it's at a teen. This girl is a camp counselor and she goes to like, she counsels at youth camps for, I think, Catholic kids. And I went to Catholic youth camp. So I've been there and I went to Catholic high school. And she says, one of the women stands up and yells, one in four of you has chlamydia and like (laughs) scathes the whole room of like these like 13 year olds. And they're all like, what? That is, but it is. No. So did you have sex education at Catholic school or because you were in public school? Lutheran school. Yeah, we did. Oh, so you were okay. We had but it was abstinence not like only. sex positive. Oh, it was definitely abstinence, but it was like, but I don't think I guess it was more like about, body part. I don't think we even education. learned about parts. I, unless I, cause I transferred it in 10th grade. So unless they talked about yeah. the body parts in ninth grade, I never learned. I mean, we learned about it a little bit in seventh and eighth grade at my public school, but okay. then I transferred to private school in 10th grade. And so there was no like, yeah. This is and how you do no. it. Like, well, and then that's no- the other thing. Like, you're not you're not supposed to think about it or talk, which means you're not talking about it. So then you go into a marriage and you're what is normal? What is not normal? What is well, all not only know. that, like to quote, like not to quote, to reference my favorite current show, Big Love. Last night, literally, the episode was like basically about purity culture because they're a Mormon polygamous family, and we're not saying all Mormons are polygamous. I understand right. that there's a vast difference. Big, yeah. Uh, Big, 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 big. I Some of my favorite people are lovely Mormons that – or – anyways, I digress. Yep. This will be the episode called I Digress where I just go on tangents and digress every time. <laughs> but one of the wives has been raised in a super strictly pure culture and she catches the husband doing oral on one of the other wives and is like – you are disgusting. You're leading him to sin by making him do that to you. I would never. And then like the husband tries to do it on like the super pure wife. And she's like, no, I like it where we just look at each other and do it the way God intends. And like, it's I don't a remember real, God writing a rule book. I yeah. mean, if you read that, I think you, you could find his rule book if you went to some of these churches. However, we are not here to hate on churches. If no. being an evangelical Christian is working for you, bless you. If being an atheist works for you, bless you. Or mm, Probably don't want me to bless you, but you know, do your thing. I think I grew up in Roman Catholicism, so I can speak from that standpoint. It was primarily my sex purity standpoint was I always dress too sexy. My grandma Mm -hmm. referred to me as dressing too sexy at seven, Mm -hmm. which my son is seven and doesn't couldn't be sexy if he wanted to. But I developed very early. I probably looked 12 when I was seven and I definitely looked like 15 by the time I was 10. And I got comments all the time. And a big part of the reason we brought up this purity culture is because I got groped in a Target two weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, And it has changed how I'm dressing and it has changed Mm -hmm. where I'm going. And it almost has led to me not going to things. I almost didn't go to a car. I didn't go to a car thing on Saturday because I didn't know what I was going to wear because it's hot AF here. And I didn't – I was like, is it cold enough I can wear long pants? And Josh had said to me like, oh, well, change out of your bike shorts and put on jean shorts. Like you'll feel more comfortable because that shows like at least a little bit less of your butt. And it's like I am 36 years mm-hmm. old and I am still having to change my outfits based on if a man will touch me in front of my little boys. And that should not be your issue. The issue Who's should be the fucking problem. The man. The right. man touching me in front of yeah. my two little boys. But I feel it. And you've said before that you've worried about how you've dressed in situations. Yes, and which we will share on is, another episode. Yeah, exactly. But why is it the first thing we think about is why did I dress that way? Mm-hmm. 
That was my because first thought when I had that's what we've been indoctrinated in. Experience, yeah. And I do not own that outfit anymore. But you also were driving home this oh. week and a man yeah. was following you home. like And wouldn't leave me alone until I it, filmed him. And I think that scared him off. Like I think it did. And I think we should start all filming people that are doing yeah. predatory behavior. Yeah. Like, no, sir, I will not roll down my window. Please leave me alone. You would think after the third time of me saying no, he would get it. And then I start ignoring him and he's still just. <sighs> I just. And then there's 16 why... year olds out there driving around. Like Ugh. at least I'm in my 30s and can take care yeah, of myself. Yeah. Imagine but... that man pulling up to some sweet 16 year old girl that hasn't had to see how ugly the world is yet. Or is innocent and is like, oh, is he trying to tell me something like my gas Ooh, tank's open? You yeah, know, or something. My, well, that's never mm-hmm. stop for anyone on the road, 16-year-old girls, ever. Right? Even if they hit you, keep driving to a police station. I mean, that my parents PSA always told today. me like, even if a police officer is trying to pull you over and you don't think you've done anything wrong, mm-hmm. you call and make sure it's yes, an actual uh, police 100% officer. Yes, 100% because they're ha- this is not a murder podcast, but we can direct no. you in the direction of many. Yep. You – can definitely get murdered by someone impersonating a police officer and call um, in. Yep. It's not a big deal. Um, never roll down your window for anyone, for any reason, even if they are on fire. And just film don't. them, no matter what you film do. Film them. Okay, <laughs> let's just spend the rest of the podcast talking about how to not what- get murdered. So here's my last point on this. Purity culture turns people into objects. Ooh. A woman who has sex before marriage is a rose without petals. Or a cup of water that has been spat in. Or a piece oh. of chewed gum. I know. That one made me <laughs> furious because spitting is my trigger. That is disgusting. That's like one of the most or, disrespectful things you oh, can do. Oh, how about do, this one? So. A, piece, a piece of chewed gum. Are you serious? Mm, the person who steps outside the bounds of purity becomes less than a person as well as someone who leads others astray. These teachings fall doubly hard on women. Mm-hmm. Because men are high-fived when they, quote, score. Yeah. And women are deemed sluts, whores, whatever yeah. else you want to call them. And mm-hmm. we're not even just talking about sex. Like, even just a flirt for a woman who's being friendly. Jenna got a flirt a lot. That was yes. that's Jenna's And I'm like, trigger. I'm just being friendly. Like, this is um, an article. And this, I think, is a rad website. It's called Femme Catholic, where Ooh. Catholicism meets feminism. Hey, girl, hey. Right. So... The author is oh, – I'll have to – I'll link it up in the show notes. But she said, this summer I was at a Catholic youth conference with my teens where one of the speakers, very well known for speaking about the topic of chastity, stated, when you have sex with someone, your soul becomes one soul. This person was speaking about the importance of reserving sex for your future spouse and not having sex with someone else's future spouse. My gut tightened, my fist, fist and jaw clenched, and I seethed with frustration. First of all – From a theological standpoint, that statement is simply false. Your soul (laughs) is eternal and it is yours. It is no one else's. So let's stop damning souls. Can we just have that be our whole motto in life? Is like, we're not here for damning anyone's souls. Heterosexual, homosexual, stop. Right? Like if that doesn't happen or if it's not as good as you thought it would be, like, are you going to sit there and question like, did I marry the right person? Was I not as pure? Like what a big letdown. Well, yeah. And especially if no one has any, if both of you stayed pure and followed this, like don't even think about sex, let alone learn about it yeah you don't know what the fuck you're doing like there's other articles in here that talk about how important a healthy sex life is according to the bible and our homie jesus and so (laughs) 
you're stripping that away from people by telling right. them it makes them dirty. And so which part are we following? I exactly. always have trouble with the dichotomy of the Bible because people cling to these parts of it that are a little bit more hate-filled and then delete the parts that are a little mm-hmm. bit more accepting, I feel like, a lot. Right. Or things that applied way back when, they take them completely literal still to this day. Yeah. times have changed, people, if you weren't Just aware. a little. I mean, right? just a little. And I mean, we're not saying that you should be – I honestly – I feel like you should have sex with whoever, whenever, do whatever you want. But, or not, but let it be your or choice. Or not. Let it be your choice. That's exactly yeah. it. And if you want to stay celibate for your whole – this the author of that one that I was just reading, The Camp Counselor, said like, I have chosen to become celibate, but I'm not a virgin. But I have chosen to follow that path now. Like it's a fluid thing also. Like you can go back on your decisions. Your soul is never damned. You can always like pivot and decide like, you know what? Having sex with a bunch of partners isn't feeding my soul right now. So I'm going to step back and like reevaluate. And then I'll dip back in if I want to. And like let's view it as – I'm making this choice because it's my choice, not because somebody else is telling me it's Mm -hmm. a bad thing to do. Maybe you're not ready or maybe you have other reasons and you do want to save it, your virginity for marriage. Okay. Yeah. But I don't think you need to belittle others who don't. And I think it's interesting too. I knew people who had purity rings and a lot of them- I've never seen one in the flesh. A lot of them also had kids out of marriage. Well, because they don't – and so that was – another one of the articles talks a lot about that too where if you are buying contraception or birth control, you are pre – it's basically like premeditated murder. So now you didn't make an oops. You were preemptively preparing to commit the sin, which is worse, where you could have just protected yourself. Well, and we also had people come talk to us and it was usually moms of kids that went to school there about anti-abortion and showing you – stages of a baby. And they even gave us these little, like a pin you wear on your shirt. And it was these two little silver feet. And it was the size of when you can abort a baby, the size of feet. And I like, I remember mine like very vividly, like showing you how small this baby was and that it was actually like a baby. And so, yeah. That sounds like like, a fun school. Can I enroll my kids there? (laughs) It doesn't take – they don't uh, teach anymore. Oh, that's weird. Um, (laughs) According to – and this again is coming from our friend Jessica Gerhardt, who is the one that's doing this femme Catholic. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is like basically the teachings of the Catholic Church, chastity means the successful integration of sexuality within the person and thus the inner unity of man in his bodily and spiritual being. So basically what's that saying is the Catholic Church is taught to teach us that we should be integrating sexuality in our lives, but we've just deleted that part and decided that we're just going to go with purity culture instead. And so- We don't talk about sex with young people, which leads to anxiety and fear because they don't know what it is, which carries over into adulthood. So like, I feel like we're asking our kids to go to college without giving Mm -hmm. them any sort of elementary or high school education. Exactly. Yep. But like the worst college because now you're naked with someone you don't know in a bed. And you can't- Or the best college, depending how it sounds. That's true. (laughs) That's very true. I don't know. What I also was thinking, you said the Jonas Brothers had purity rings. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So you probably don't know much about it. I get. I wonder if that was like a personal choice or if it was like in their church. I believe church, it was like a parental. Had... Yes, it was a church okay. because they had a not to be a loser, but they had a reality show at this point. What? Um, I didn't even know they had one. Sorry, I was not welcome. a big fan. I wasn't either, but it was on like after. Um, I want to say like sh- a show I watched, which probably was like not to be cool, but it was probably like Ozzy Osbourne's show. Shut mm-hmm. up. I've never seen Hannah Montana. <laughs> um, but they all like stopped doing it after a while and were like, this is bad. But the okay. oldest Jonas kept his virginity until he married his wife and they got married when he was like 18. Okay. Danielle yeah. is her name. She was on the show. She was beautiful. Um, I wonder – you're going to have to look up the show. But they all stopped doing it at one point. I think Demi Lovato did it. I think Miley Cyrus did it. I know the Jonas Brothers all did it. So you think it was probably like parent driven? Um, it was parent driven, I believe, and they were in one of these types of churches as well. Okay. Cause I just know that where I went to school, the girls had the rings, but I never really saw a boy. I've heard of it, but no, because it's usually the, on their Jon- right hand. Jonah's wore them. Left? I believe it's right hand. You sound right. Okay. I think so. But it is like your ring finger. Because oh, you're like married also to Also creepy. Well, or are you and also to like, your dad? Are you married oh, to your dad? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> But also, like, it's interesting to me, like, hey, let's not talk or think about sex, but let's talk about your virginity. Shouldn't like that a be lot. personal? Yeah, like if, if you're not talking about sex, like, let's not talk about your virginity either. Like, all of it or none. Let's pick one of them. Jonas People. Brothers purity rings. Finally explain. Oh, they actually talk about it. Jonas Ooh. Brothers purity rings story originates. The Jonas, they've shed, worked hard to shed their wholesome. Okay, so they had to talk about it. I took okay. pride in it until I watched those interviews back years later and was like, I sound like a robot, Nick admitted Ex- during the episode. I was thinking that. Mm-hmm. Purity rings were the to wait for the right person when the time was right. And here's the catch, Joe explained. When you're like 12 and you do that because we grew up in a church and our dad was the pastor, so it just came kind of natural for everyone we grew up with to go through this and get one and say, I'm going to wait for the right person. Some people would say, I'm going to wait until marriage. He went on. When you're 15, 16 and start dating, you go, wait a minute. What did I say mm-hmm. I was going to do? <laughs> Or not do. <laughs> well, so, basically, like, yeah, yeah, when you're 12, you're like, girls oh, are like manageable. What, 12 with 12 year olds. If someone came to me, because I thought their rings were cool, because I, at least where I went, there wasn't everyone like a, thought this is a there was for ring. a minute. Yeah. Because the right? Jonas so it was like, exactly. You kind of got to pick out your own ring. Yeah. So if somebody came to me and was like, like when I'm 11 or 12 and sex is icky at that time and my body is confusing. Hey, if you don't have sex, you get to have a big party with your dad and wear a really fancy dress and you get shiny jewelry. Sign me this up. This is a great point. I didn't even think about like, this. What a trick. Heck yeah. Let you me just be sign my name on this for paper. A day. Exactly. For something I never want to do. And then all of a sudden you're 15 years old with your hot boyfriend and you're like, right. I-, I fucked up. Yeah. And so what happens if you don't? Do they just like take your ring away? You're like damaged goods. Your family is shamed. You're a broken disaster. I mean, I assume they take your ring away. But like on the show last night, the son was having premarital sex and he tried to talk to the <gasps> pastor and the pastor couldn't get through to him. So he ca- came to the house and told the pa- – well, said, it's not my place to tell you, but you need to talk to him. And he owned up to it. And they were basically like, you're fucking – you have no contact with the outside world. You're grounded to your room. You're done. You'll never see her again. So then he tried to marry her. And they were like, you're 16. You can't get married to her to like make it honorable. Do you like how I'm now just he's using- just like 
jacking off in his room behind closed yeah, doors. Yeah, which is fine, I guess. Right? But I think that's a no-no too. I wonder if purity rings encompass that. Uh, yeah, I don't think you're supposed to have any We thoughts. need a purity ring expert to come on. Do well, at least for women. Women, yeah. everything I've read says the thought is just as bad as the deed. So you think it, you did it. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I had no idea. And if you get raped, you did it. Yep. So basically, yep. if you uphold this purity contract to the extent of which it's supposed to, it's impossible because no one has had completely pure thoughts. No, yeah. no way. There's no. That's impossible. So kids. Oh, holy kids. Um, I'm so excited. You're going to tell me how to raise my kids, right? Because I need oh, help. Heck no, because I don't fully know. Fuck, what are we going to um, do? But if you've listened to the podcast, you know that in our house, we use anatomically correct body parts. We talk about them. We talk about them in terms that is age appropriate. So I'm not going to tell them the sexual functions of their body parts because that's not something they can understand because they've never had that urge or that desire. Yeah. I think that's And so to them, that's out of their realm mm-hmm. of understanding. But I do make like when my kids have asked me or they've heard sex, I have told them this is a topic for when you're older because your brain is not developed enough for me to talk to you fully about it to where you'll understand. And they accept that. My son is always like, are we talking about it now? I'm like, nope, not yet. Because I just don't think unless you've felt those feelings. And that's, I think, a huge issue with sex education as well. Mm-hmm. And this whole purity culture is we're talking about it before their bodies are ready. So 11-year-olds don't understand what that urge and that desire is. So it's like, here, sign this paper, get this jewelry, uphold this pledge. And they don't even know what those feelings are at that point. And so they're like, okay, that's fine. I don't struggle with that. So let me just sign it. Versus we're not talking to 16-year-olds about it. And I think that that's a huge issue. So the first thing that I have read and we do is talking openly about body parts. And that encompasses a ton of stuff. But basically, you use the right words. You don't use my flower, my dingling. I don't know. My old that. word was flower and wiener. Thank you. Wiener. <laughs> but now Mikey knows vagina right? because of you making me use it. And he goes, yep. he calls it a pachina. Or wait, oh. Remember? And you, you, I said he calls uh-huh. it a pachina. And we said it's very gender inclusive because it's like a it mix is. of it's, both parts. Yep. A penis and a vagina. And yep. mama's pachina. Exactly. And openly talking about who's allowed to touch. And then that Mm -hmm. goes into like the safety of your kids as well. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've listened, you also know that our rule, which we adapted from Janelle, is mom, dad, and doctor when mom, dad are present. Yeah. My kids know that. And that's a huge thing, like just getting comfortable talking about those parts and talking about the functions of your body. In our house, we are open about everything, like I said, age appropriate. So my kids do come in the bathroom with me. They do go through my cabinets. So they know the term menstruation period. They don't fully understand the whole thing, but they know it happens once a month. They know it happens to mommies. It's how they are able to have babies. And they know as much as their little brains can handle, that is not a popular opinion. A lot of people tell me I should not talk to my kids about that and it should be behind closed doors. But in my thought, I was beyond mortified when I started my period. Beyond, yes. Uh huh. And my mom told my grandma and I 
cried because I was embarrassed. <laughs> I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone about it. So if I have these conversations starting with my daughter, yeah. I'm hoping that she will be comfortable that when it happens, it can be seen as a positive thing that her body yeah. is going through. As well as my son, I don't know what his preferences will be when he gets older, but just knowing about it in terms of any women in his life, I think it's important. And it shouldn't be something that a woman is embarrassed by. It Mm -hmm. leads to children, hopefully, possibly. And it's something natural that our bodies do. If our bodies didn't do that, like we wouldn't exist. Well, also it makes way more rad husbands. Like that's something my mom always said about my dad and something Josh does for me. Josh has no, my dad was the same way about, my mom tells this cute story about how my dad went into, she had just had one of the kids and she needed like mega pads. Yes. And so she sat in the car because she couldn't get out of the car. And Mm -hmm. my dad went in the gas station and held them up over his head and she was giving him (laughs) thumbs up or thumbs down from the car. Yeah, that's how Josh is too. Like he'll come home and yep. I'll be like, I ran out of tampons. I need you to go to Walgreens. And he'll like come yes. off a red eye and go straight to Walgreens and not exactly. think twice about it. Like that is yeah. the kind of husbands we want to be raising right. too. And there's not many people that are like that. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, even guy friends, everything, like it is a mm-hmm. normal body reaction. If a woman bleeds through, like let's take away the shame and embarrassment and just oh lend God. help. Yeah. What if like, our kids even go to my school son. where a girl bleeds through and nobody makes yes. fun of her? Right? Because we all know Remember that, how that happens. Sc- how scared were we all to bleed through everything at all points um, in school? So scared that I would only wear dark colors, which our options were I navy or khaki, so I'd wear navy. Yeah. And then tie a sweatshirt around the waist. Just in so. case. Exactly. Exactly. And we talk about with our kids. Your body is your own. So even Mm -hmm. when we do our tick checks, I ask permission to look at certain parts on my kids. And that is a big thing because like you mentioned, our body is not an object. It is not up for discussion with other people and what we choose to do with our body. Your body is your own and you decide what you do with it. And guess what? I'm going to support you no matter what you decide to do Mm -hmm. with it. And I think that that's a big thing. And then that ties into when they get older consent, which is a conversation that is not had or not had appropriately. Right. Also add in there, like if we start having these conversations with our young kids, how much easier sex conversations, consent conversations will be because I didn't have those conversations growing up, but I can guarantee you if my parents came to me and tried to talk to me about consent, I would have been very uncomfortable. So if we can just like normalize all of this and normalize our bodies and what our bodies do, age appropriate, of course, I think that would play a huge role in going the Well, and you want it to be second nature too, which I think is really important. You know how they say like practice your fire escape plan over and over and over again until you could do it in your sleep literally because your house will most likely start on fire in your sleep, not to scare anyone. But anyways, (laughs) I digress Why is that? (laughs) Just because you fall asleep and you leave some shit on or leave a candle on. And my kids, Mikey was peeing the other day and he was like, oh, the Mikey touches my – he still calls it his weenie. Um, (laughs) What is our doctor – Mikey touches Mikey's weenie. Mom or dad touch – he was just peeing like singing this. Or doctor – only if mama or dada in the room. And I was like, I oh my it. God, we have said it enough times yeah. that if some freako comes out of the woodwork and tries to touch Mikey, that is going to be so 
up top in his mm-hmm. brain because he's singing it while he's peeing that we yes. want to make sure that the repetition is there. So right. don't just tell this story one time. Yeah. This is something – and you're really good at this – is bringing it up week after week, yes. month after month, and expanding it as their brains expand. Right. And so I don't think I heard about consent being a thing until after mm-hmm. I was like married. Like exactly. this wasn't a it wasn't thing until really. 2012. Yeah. And I remember like, there was an issue with somebody I knew with consent, but it was kind of swept under the rug because it wasn't really a thing. Yeah. And it was like, well, because consent believe? was just like, mm, it's too hard right. to prove. And I'm reading a, I'm reading a fiction book about it right now, but it's all about like a, uh, an acquaintance quote unquote rape trial. I don't have to allegedly, cause these Ooh. are fake characters. Okay. So an acquaintance rape trial. I'm like what is trying to protect the, I think it's called the night swim, but I'll link it. Okay. Um, um, and this girl allegedly died. It's but this it's about someone that does a true crime pro- podcast, and she is in the courtroom reporting on it live. But it talks about consent in it, mm-hmm. and there. And another article I was reading recently was saying consent today is seen as an educated and an enthusiastic yes. Anything shy of an educated, enthusiastic yes is not consent. And so for it to be an educated yes, they have to be coherent and not inebriated. And they have to understand how far you plan to go and they have to be excited about it. Otherwise, it's not consent. And like, let's add these conversations. Like, yes, I am going to be more diligent with my boy, but Mm -hmm. it's a conversation that we're having as a family. And it's not just one or the other closed door. Let's talk about this in private. Like, no, we just talk about it openly as well as I think that goes along with consent and how you talk about your body in terms of who can touch what to do. If you are in the situation where someone asks to touch and they're not on this approved list and they don't have your consent, like, what do you do? And we talk about that in terms of everything, like stranger danger, everything. What do you do? And my son is always like, well, I'll sit there and I'll be like, and I'm like, no, you turn around and you run. Like we talk about that constant. Zach you don't every sit time there and talk to somebody. No, Zach's always gonna fight him. I'm gonna I'm uh, gonna punch him in the wiener and then I'm gonna chop him in the head. And I'm right. like, okay, but what do you really do? And he's like, yeah. I run and scream. And I'm like, if he mm-hmm. and we practice, like if a yeah. car pulls up to you with a gun and says, Get in the car, I'm gonna shoot you, what do you right. do? And his exactly. first answer is always kick him in the wiener and chop him in the head. And then I yeah. say, What do you really do? And he says, I run and scream, I run and scream, mm-hmm. fire, fight. You're supposed to scream fire. Did you know that? No. I You're didn't. not supposed to scream stranger. You're supposed to scream fire because people are more attentive to fire than they sense. are to a kid screaming stranger help. Plus most of our kids can't say their S's. So it's like, Tangel, Tangel. And they're like, what? Tangel, Tangel. <laughs> or also help. My kids scream help at each other all day. My neighbors are so yes. desensitized to my kids right? screaming help while they're hitting each other with they brooms really, that yeah. like, no. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's, that's a really good point. And we've talked to my son about like, if even somebody that you know, tries to touch and Mm -hmm. you run away, like just because you know them doesn't mean anything. And that's like a big thing too. Um, And we've also made a list of like, we call people aunties or like people that you can trust. Safe people. Yeah. Yeah, safe people. Everybody else, if they come up to you and say, your mom told me to pick you up. She's waiting. She got you a new puppy and she's late. So this is completely off topic, but my son and I were actually talking about that today. I love that. And growing up, they didn't have cell phones. And Mm -hmm. of course, we didn't have them in elementary school. So we had a safe word. And the person would have to say that word in order for Mm -hmm. us to get in their car. Well, Um, I got to remember to do that again. That's a smart one because we had that growing up too. And I don't even remember mm -hmm. what it was, but it was a thing. 
And we had a sentence we would also say if we ever felt unsafe, like if we had to call home and say like, can I spend the night? You know, like friends would ask you and we would have like a little sentence. Yeah. Like if there's a creepy, a creepy old guy living in the basement that you don't or want you're just and you're not comfortable in the basement. In the situation. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my God, I love that. Okay. So this Adding is kind to of my list. topic. So let's go back into purity culture, which was a hard, this is where my husband and I struggled. Um, okay. Clothing for, <sighs> I hate so to say your hard. daughter, but it is mostly for our daughter. But we it is also, no want- one gives a shit how boys dress. Let's be honest. No, but no. we do include our son in the topic because he needs to know that clothing and how a person dresses is not up for you to judge or you to comment on. Ooh, love. And you don't look at them. You don't like if you want to say like, oh, I love your dress. Okay. But if somebody is not wearing clothes, you don't make comments about it. Yeah. Your their body is not yours their to body. talk yeah. about. And it was a hard conversation for my husband and I because having a girl we are very protective of her and we know what it's like out in the world. My husband was with me when I had an incident, which we'll talk about later on the podcast, another episode. It was a very inappropriate situation. And so he knows these men that are so creepy and disgusting mm-hmm. or women, whoever, there is no stopping them. Like even the fact that I was with my husband and in a crowded place, it didn't stop this person. And so sending your daughter out into that world. And I was not like sitting there in a bikini. Like I was in a dress. <laughs> even and... if you were Jenna. Exactly. That's true. Knock even if I was. Off. I know. Even if you were in a thong and pasties. <laughs> knock that shit off. I think I would have already been kicked out, but <laughs> that's it's like but that's no matter fun. they can kick it, you out of their business. Right? It's so scary to know that those people are out there and you're sending your kid into the world. And when this situation happened to me, I just remember thinking there was a 14 year old girl, probably that's a guest. She was with her mom right in front of me. And I just kept thinking, what if that was my daughter? And I didn't have a daughter at this point and I cannot imagine. And so it is scary, but we've decided that at this point, which I might eat crow later on, we're going to let our daughter dress however she feels confident dressing. And we will teach her like, read the situation. Like you might not want to go to a black tie wedding in cutoff shorts and a t-shirt, but if you're comfortable, I guess go ahead. But like, yeah, what is appropriate based on societal rules for certain situations such as church and funerals and everything like that, but just instilling that confidence in her to dress how she sees fit. And I do believe my parents weren't perfect at it, but they were really, really good at it. They pretty much let us dress how we wanted to. Of course, being in a strict school and church and everything, there were some guidelines, but I don't remember them ever saying anything like, oh, that's slutty. Don't wear that. Or like I had friends whose parents would say that, or I had friends whose parents wouldn't let them wear anything above the knee. And I do remember the first time when I was like a preteen, I was probably like 13 or 14. And my dad took me shopping and I remember feeling self-conscious and I was picking out like all super modest stuff. And he was like, what about this? And he like holds up a little skirt. And I was like thinking like, oh, I really love that, but I don't know. And he's like, go try it on. And I tried it on. He's like, you're buying it. Like it's perfect. Oh and my God, he I like love didn't, him. I know. He didn't make me feel yeah. like for some reason I assumed, and my dad was always like, daddy's little girl, I'll do anything to protect yeah. you. I always assumed like he wanted me to dress a certain way, but mm-hmm. he really just wanted me to love what I wore. And I think I just had this like preconceived notion of like, 
Well, oh. because you had a preconceived notion because it was being drilled into your brain exactly. via church and culture that you were supposed and to dress in a people's bag. parents, like even yeah. making comments. Like if I would go over Oh my God, my other shorts, people's like, parents. Or grandma is the worst. Like not my grandma, but other people's grandmas. and My grandma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's like drilled into your head. And yeah. I just remember that. And so then my dad, I mean, he took me like all my prom dress shoppings and banquet oh dress shoppings. God. And like- I mean, I would have like spaghetti straps with like sides cut out and like, yeah, like, I love girl. it. It's perfect. And it made me feel confident in the outfits. And that's all that mattered to him. And so that's how I definitely want to raise our daughter. Does not mean it's going to be easy. Um, You're going to bring her out. It. It's going to be hard. Yeah, I know. It, but just, I just want to celebrate her body and what God has created for her and what she is developing into. And I think that's the best way is to just let her navigate that on her own. I completely agree. It's not going to be easy, but we're going to do it. Um, You're going to make it happen. Nothing's easy. What is easy? Tell me one parenting thing you've done that's been easy. Sign me up. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Once that, yeah, you did a natural bullshit. Once I got that epidural. I was kidding, right? (laughs) Um, And and that goes with sons too. um, Teaching them that a woman's body, anyone's body, not just a woman's, is not up for discussion with you and your friends, with you and anyone, if you have a thought about it, keep it to yourself. It's not up for discussion. Yep. We don't need to sit there and rate people based on what they're dressed or what is it Remember like? how prevalent that was? Yeah, hot or not. Remember how prevalent that was when we were growing up? There was whole websites dedicated to people telling people if they were hot or not or, or too fat or too thin quote, or too – Or if you would slam them or not. Oh, like, my God. Yep. Well, how romantic. I know, right? Hope someone wants to slam me. (laughs) But then if you weren't on the list, like it was. Oh my God, Jenna. (laughs) I know. So somehow we're raising kids in this world and we're going to do it. I don't know what the fuck we're doing, but we're going to do our best. And I, what you've said, I take away a lot from in, I need to be more um, on top of reminding my boys that, and what you said, which I don't even think you realize is you're really training your kids to the mental pathways are being instilled that you are in control of your own body and can talk about your own body. You have nothing to say and nothing to do with other people's bodies. Let other people's bodies be their own and let your body be your own. And what you choose to do with your body is your choice and what they choose to do with their body is their choice. You're teaching such good body autonomy that I am very hopeful for the kids that are raised like that, that they will bring some beauty into the world. They will. They will. Because we know those creeps are out there no matter what. No but matter how are what. we going to talk to our kids about sex is my question. Like, are, It's I just really, happening naturally in our house. Honestly. But I really – like at some point you're going to have to have like – I really want my kids because I grew up in a very sex-shamed environment. Mm-hmm. Me too. I want my kids because it, it impairs my marriage definitely. Yeah. And I asked Josh that the other day. I was like, do you think the way I was raised impairs our sexual relationship? And he was like, yeah, totally. And I want my boys to know that sex is made to be fun and wild and carefree and enjoyable. And there'll Mm -hmm. be times in your life. And I really want my boys to understand, which I don't think boys have been given enough credit. They can understand this if we teach them. There's going to be times in your life when women don't 
don't want to have sex with you and women do want to have sex with you. And then when you get married, there's going to be times in your marriage Mm -hmm. where your wife doesn't want to have sex with you and she does want to have sex with you. And sex is not a thing up for the taking for you ever. Not when you're married, not when you're dating. It is not a prerequisite. It is not a requirement. It is something that you work towards building a loving relationship around. If you And it doesn't even have to be a loving relationship. If you are two consenting adults – that want to have fun, that's fine, but it is never something that is owed to you or is a given in any situation. You take a girl on a date and you spend $200 on her dinner, she doesn't owe you anything. She doesn't even owe you a handshake on the way out of your car. You drop her off and you say, thank you, see you next time. Or not, your choice. Well, and I think that's it. You just, you talk openly about it as well as frequently about it, not Mm -hmm. beat it over the head and yeah. Talk fluidly about it. But I think that's a huge issue with past society is that, did you have the talk? Yes, I had the talk with my kid, implying one talk. This needs one to be talk. an ongoing conversation. And as they develop, yeah. you just add to it and their conversations will come. There will be a point where it is a little un- uncomfortable for them, but that's our place as a parent to be like, it is. I understand it's, it's your body is changing. This is a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. for you, but we're going to normalize it and we're going to do that together. And I mean, because what parent would say my kid is struggling or in terms of sex or anything, and I don't want them to come to me. I don't know any parent that would say that it might be uncomfortable or my daughter got pregnant and she feels like she can't tell me like that would break my heart. I want to have that open conversation because even growing up, I remember people would be like, parents, if you get pregnant, everyone in the house gets pregnant because it impacts mom. It impacts dad. It impacts your brother. It impacts everyone. Oh my God. And it was such a shameful thing. And I do remember asking my mom once, and of course my mom freaked out, like, are you pregnant? And I was like, well, no, but I, you know, I've heard this. And she was like, she was like, we would deal with it. I would definitely help you. It's something I would want you to come to me about, but there wasn't much talk beyond that, but I did feel okay that if I ever got into that situation, I could talk to her, but I want my kids to know, like, of course I'm not encouraging you (laughs) to do this, but I'm here for you. And if you come into a situation where consent was not given, or you're confused about consent or anything, like, please come talk to me. And that's a good thing to practice with them too. If you are confused, let's do the two C's, confused about consent. If there is any confusion, put the brakes on it, come home, talk to me, and then we'll decide if there was consent. And then you can go on another date tomorrow (laughs) and reestablish if there was consent. Because that consent is my biggest goal in these boys. As well as a big fear. Like I'm not. It's a big. Lie. It's a. T- oh my god! If you're not afraid, because in the book I'm reading, she's talking about like one time she went on a date with a boy, and granted these are fictional characters, but if yeah. you she went on a date with a boy and he started getting handsy and they were making out and he like kind of like climbed on top of her and started making out more heavily and she was like stop stop get off get off and he was caught up in the heat of the moment and she finally jumped out of the car. She's like. That is, by definition, sexual assault. She's like, I chalked it up my whole life to a date gone awry with an overly hormonal boy. And so you have to understand, like us as moms raising these Mm -hmm. boys in this time, we have to understand that our standard is really high and we cannot fuck it up. We have to make sure. And I take it as a huge responsibility that I am going to raise boys that understand consent, God willing, or whoever I pray to at this moment. 
the yeah. universe willing, my biggest goal is going to be raising boys that mm-hmm. understand consent. And I'm hopeful that in doing that, like the chicken or the egg, if I can raise right. boys that are respectful of girls, understand that their sexuality is their own, I'm going to provide them with understanding and contraception as early as they need it. And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk constantly about consent. Yeah. I really hope that I can help protect some little girl out there too. Yep. And your boy. Oh, please. You never know. Please protect everyone. Yep. Oh, so okay. if you oh, guys wait. have like – or Janelle has something. Janelle has one more point that she wanted to close with. And this is like yes. my very favorite. Breaking up with purity culture. I will link it. It is by Esther Taylor. Women have been taught two competing messages about getting love and being a desirable life partner. One being the promise of happiness and a fulfilling marriage if you stay pure until your wedding day. Mm -hmm. And the other promising love if a man finds you sexy enough, sexual enough, and will put out enough. Both are toxic, both grounded in patriarchal ideologies, and both causing damage to women. Let's stop telling women who they should be how to behave, Mm -hmm. or what they should wear to be desired by men. Instead, let's promote self-confidence, self-belief, and an ability to advocate for themselves. Let us teach our girls that they are perfect just the way they are, and there is no pressure to have sex or abstain from sex. Let's teach them the joys and the wonder of female sexuality and female pleasure. Let us remind them that who they are is more than enough for this world and they require respect, love, and sexual satisfaction. I like that. And let's include that for our boys too because yes, just because a boy doesn't want to have sex doesn't mean anything's wrong with him. So doesn't mean anything's wrong with him. Oh my God. Remember if like a boy didn't want to have sex when we were in middle, like, oh, he's this, he's that, he's yep. this. If a boy just isn't into it, let or him not ready. take his fucking time. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And same for girls. Let everyone take their time doing everything. Yep. I need I forgot time I have to wake a up in the morning. Tell us. Sexpositivefamilies.com, which we'll link up. I need it. It, Sex Positive Families provides education and resources that help families raise sexually healthy children using a shame-free, comprehensive, (gasps) and pleasure-positive approach. Yes. This is exactly what I want. Pleasure-positive. Yeah. And so it had like (laughs) – I want to say you can do like classes, but it also had like a thing on there and it was like resources and articles and all of that. So if you're confused about how to talk about something with a kid, I am. or even since some of these terms are new or to us, how to research those. And I thought it was a really good resource. So check it out. And so we, we are coming up. at this. We understand you all know what big allies we are for the LGBTQ community, but this mm-hmm. purity culture is strongly grounded in hetero, hetero, I don't want, I don't even like to use the word heteronormative, but hetero yeah. relationships because mm-hmm. purity culture doesn't take into any consideration that a heterosexual relationship would even be considered a thing. So it's not, yep. It's exactly. not, um, in their opinion, in our opinion, hell fucking yes. But exactly. we just wanted to say that we hope that no one felt left out in this because we spoke in terms of uh, male, female, cisgender, because yeah. it, to discuss purity culture is to discuss only heterosexual relationships. And I mean, whatever way my kids go, they're going to be consenting adults on both mm-hmm. ends, no matter if it's male, female relationships. Exactly. So let's yep. teach them that also, that it's not just... The girl has – don't use those gender 
typical words. Your mm-hmm. partner. We needs always to say consent. your partner. Yep. Your partner. Your par- I call Josh my partner half the time. <laughs> I like it. No, my my midwife actually would. She would always be like my partner and I, and yeah. I assumed she meant she was mm-hmm. in a female female relationship, and she was not. And I was like, calling That's him my partner rad. is so much more descriptive than calling him my yeah. husband because calling like he's my buddy and he's my best friend and we do everything together so like he's literally my partner more than he is a husband that like puts me on his health insurance yeah and her partner had a gender neutral name and so I just assumed and then I saw a picture and I was like oh but that's Robin yep (laughs) (laughs) so with that call your therapist and take your meds (laughs) 